This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning, and I pray that you would speak to us afresh through it by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Twenty twenty. What a year. I think this year will be remembered by everyone on the planet for generations to come. If you could choose just one word to um, other than pandemic uh, to describe this year, what would it be? One word that has summed uh, much of this year up for me um, has been relentless. Just when we thought we had something figured out, there comes a new challenge, a new question, a new issue, a new decision that needs to be addressed. For some in our church family, words to describe this year might be quite different. They might include sorrow, grief, loneliness, desperation, sickness, death, exhaustion, abuse, loss, fear, disappointment, longing, frustration, despair. For others, words might include unprecedented, pivot, opportunity, surprise, joy, faith, life, birth, health, restoration, preservation, provision, hope. Now, of course, if you could just pick two, you might well pick one from each set. For alongside real loss, there has been surprising and abundant provision as well as sickness, there has been recovery and healing. In the midst of longing, hope. Well, our scriptures today have a particular word that I want us to notice. It's a word that I hope you will experience at the end of this calendar year 2020 and at the beginning of this new liturgical year in Advent and that word is comfort. In Isaiah the prophet declares God's words to his people, comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. At the beginning of Mark's gospel, Mark introduces the one whom we can expect to bring God's comfort and in Peter's letter, we find more words of comfort as we wait for Jesus to come again. Advent marks a new season with God. It, it is a season that is full of promise, new beginnings, waiting, and comfort. And as we wait, we do two things. We, we look back as we prepare to remember and celebrate Christ's first coming at Christmas, we also look forward to that day unknown to us when Christ will come again. We are living in unsettling times. I realize that's a bit of an understatement. With much cause for anxiety, 
in the midst of uncertainty. And I think we all need comforting. I know I do. As Christians, we are both the recipients of comfort and those who are charged with bringing comfort to others. The context for the great proclamation of God's comfort to the people of Israel was likely prior to a long, hard, seemingly relentless exile. Not like our nine months so far of the pandemic, but 70 years of exile in Babylon. And contained in that prophecy, we see two promises. First, a medium-term promise of return from exile. And second, a future promise of the coming Messiah. And similarly, today, we are recipients of the twofold promises of Advent. First, the fulfilled promise of Christ's first coming, which we're looking forward to celebrating at Christmas. And second, the yet-to-be-fulfilled promise of Christ's coming again. So here again those words from Isaiah. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together. For those living in the darkness and bleakness of exile, these words of comfort look forward to freedom and justice. Verse 10, see the Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. For those who suffer now, there is a great day coming when Jesus will return in might and power to bring justice and judgment. And perhaps we don't always appreciate the comfort that is in those words. Perhaps because many of us don't live under the kind of tyranny of oppression. We don't live day to day with the consequences of injustice. But for those who do, including many who are poor, downtrodden, hungry, abused or discriminated against, there is comfort in knowing that justice will come. The prophet continues, verse 11, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. This picture of the good shepherd carrying, leading, and comforting the sheep is such a powerful image. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term and her penalty is paid. Over the past several weeks, we have been reflecting on how we deserve God's judgment for our sins. And yet, as is promised here and as we see in the gospel, the penalty for our sins has been paid. And so jumping ahead some 700 years from when these words of Isaiah may have been written, we come to Mark's gospel. Interestingly, here in Mark chapter 1, there's no mention of the nativity. 
Nothing is said about the birth of Jesus. Rather, in bold opening words, Mark writes, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. All that the prophets had looked forward to, all of their hoping and longing was coming to fruition in Jesus. And to make sure that we get the connection, Mark writes, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Often, it is in the wilderness, rather than on the mountaintops, that we may experience God's presence most powerfully. Perhaps that's because when those things that we think of as being our comforts are stripped away, we find real comfort from the source of all comfort and joy. A comfort not dependent upon peace and prosperity, but on the power and presence of Jesus, our Emmanuel. I wonder, where have you experienced comfort in the past nine months? The provision testimonies that we've been listening to week by week have been powerful illustrations of how God has been present to and comforted many in our own congregation. Well, John, the last prophet, points to one whom he describes as more powerful than I, who is coming after me. I am not worthy, he says, to stoop and untie the thong of his sandals. I've baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our comfort. And as John hints, Jesus will be with us, and for us now, <clears throat> is with us by the Holy Spirit. In John 14, we encounter Jesus telling his disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Another way of translating that word advocate is what? Comforter. Comforter. To be with you forever. As we will sing at Christmas, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Jesus, our Emmanuel, is with us. And we experience his with usness, his presence through the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. God himself comforts us. And because Jesus has lived as a man and has experienced all the discomforts, losses, disappointments, and temptations of this life, he is able to comfort us like no other. He comes alongside us in our weakness and in our suffering. He is with us, and we're not alone as we walk through these dark days. Of course, we wish the pandemic were over and behind us. We wish we could all get this promised vaccine tomorrow. But we have to wait. We have to wait a little longer. Or perhaps we wish that the longings we have for restoration of all that is broken in our lives, 
or in our relationships. It could happen immediately. But we have to wait. And the invitation today in the waiting is to turn to Jesus. He longs to comfort you. Take time. Take time maybe this afternoon or one day this week to be still in his presence. Waiting, being still, trusting, and being quiet is, for many of us, hard. I, I have to be very intentional about this, to get still, to stop. So sometimes I will light a candle. I'll set a timer on my phone so I'm not distracted, wondering how long I've been still for. And then I settle down. And of course, you may find yourself asking why. Why be still? Why does God have us wait? Why has Jesus not come again already? Haven't we seen enough injustice, enough pain and suffering in the world at large, or, or maybe even in our own lives? Well, if you've ever asked questions like that, you are in good company. God's people have cried out why and how long for a very long time. And the reason Jesus has not yet returned, the apostle Peter tells us, is because he cares so much. Because God is patient. Very, very patient. As we heard earlier in verse 9 of 2 Peter chapter 3, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish. And again, is not that the refrain of the Scriptures again and again? For in them we encounter God being merciful and patient. He is slow to anger, long-suffering, abounding in mercy. He doesn't treat us as we deserve. And yes, while the sins of the fathers may get visited on the children to the first and second, third generations or whatever, that those scriptures go on to say, but the steadfast Lord of the, of love of the Lord never ceases. And he extends his love and grace and mercy to generation after generation. This is good news. And today we see it spelled out in black and white. God does not want any to perish but rather all to come to repentance. Now, I must add, sadly, tragically, heartbreakingly, some will perish. But that is not what God desires. That is not what is in his heart. God's heart is passionately longing for all to return, to repent, to come home. And in Advent, we see a surprising thing. It's not only we who are waiting, but God is waiting too. He's waiting for you. The longing in the heart of God for people to come home is found from the very first pages of the Bible. It's the message of God after he's divorced wayward Israel 
and he calls for his bride to come home. It's the message we see in Isaiah 40 today. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. These are not only words of tenderness and kindness, they are also words of passion and pleading, an invitation to respond to God's love. The cry of the prophet Isaiah, repeated by John the Baptist, to prepare the way of the Lord, is a cry to make way for God to come, for God to come to rescue, to restore, and to deliver. And God did come, as promised, to feed his flock like a shepherd, gently to gather up the lost lambs. He came first not as judge, but to be judged, bearing judgment for us as the perfect Lamb of God. But hear this also. When he comes again, it will be different. As we read, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. And to those who hear these words of warning and say that God is too harsh, how can he punish us for our sins? How can we be banished from his sight forever? What kind of a God is that? I want to say this morning, here, please hear the words of the gospel, the good news. For who are the people who make it through the day of the Lord, which is going to be a great and terrible day, who are they who make it through, who make it past the final judgment? Are they those who've been good enough, who've tried hard enough, who've been moral enough and upright enough? No. Verse 9, they are the ones who repent. That's the qualification. Oh, that this Advent, we all would hear the voice crying in the wilderness, calling us to repent, calling us to give up our own self-reliance. Maybe that's what the pandemic will do for us. It'll stop us thinking that we can fix everything, that we're in control. What absolute humbug. We're not in control. God calls us to come home to him. And God is so very patient with us. He holds open his scarred hands and invites all to come to him, not wanting any to perish. Jesus has not come back for one reason, to give more time for more people to repent and turn to him and to live for him. And if you have never done that, I invite you to turn to him today. For though he is so very, 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 very patient, he will not wait forever. The day of the Lord is coming, and then it will be too late. But today, there's time. Today, the invitation, the door to salvation is wide open. And to those who have repented, to those who have turned to Christ, many of us here watching whatever, Peter has some final words for us. In the light of all this, asked Peter, what kind of 
people ought we then to be? Verse 11, Peter exhorts us to live lives of holiness and godliness as we wait for Christ's return. And this is a word of challenge and encouragement not to give up, even in this strange season. Yes, life may be full of trials. We can expect that. Yes, waiting is hard, but don't give up. The end is in sight. Jesus is coming again, and he is making all things new. He is with us by his Holy Spirit. He is our comforter. I pray that today you would hear and receive these words of comfort. Amen.